Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. I'm still Sydney McElroy. Sydney, I'm so tired of being pregnant. Oh, I'm sorry. You're tired? I'm tired of being pregnant as a couple. I'm trying to share in your burden. What? Which part of pregnancy has been hardest on your body, would can't, you say? Which? Can't ever leave the house? Too tired? Can't do that? You can't ever leave the house because you're too tired. Every time I drink, I feel guilty. Oh, gosh, that must be so hard for you. You don't know what it's like, Sid. No, I don't know what it's like to drink anymore. I don't remember. I don't remember what it's like to do anything other than sit and be Our tired. Our listeners are tired of it. They're tired of hearing about pregnancy. I know. Uh, they're tired of hearing about it. Everybody's tired of it. We just want the stupid baby. Oh, she won't be a stupid baby. At first, she will she be a stupid baby. There's literally no other kind of baby. I've seen, and I've seen baby geniuses. Trust me, that's fake. <laughs> uh, so I guess we're almost out of, we kind of thought the baby would be here by now. Maybe there's just like wishful thinking on our part, but like we've doing, been doing a lot of shows about pregnancy. Just like we figure let's, it's on our minds. So let's cover all the pregnancy topics. Well, I was kind of hoping maybe if we just kept on that, train you know kept right. talking about um power positive thinking yeah maybe it would be like eating pineapple or yeah you know walking around the neighborhood or having sex those are all things that are supposed to trigger labor yes exactly so okay. maybe talking about birth will trigger labor what do you think okay let's talk about birth i think we're out of pregnancy topics after this so i really hope the gig comes this oh, week oh i could keep going yeah oh yeah you got more yeah, but I think that, it, that I would start to get bitter after a while. <laughs> Let me tell you some more about being uh, pregnant. Listen, here's the scope. Here. This will be a record and, for our child. I hope <laughs> I hope she'll be able to dip back into the archives and see what a huge inconvenience she was. And I have to say, it makes me feel a little guilty to feel that way. Because I've had women tell me that they just loved, that they wish they could be pregnant all the time. That they loved the being pregnant state. Not having kids, but the... Just being pregnant. Being pregnant. Uh, listen, and I'm I, only half pregnant as as a partnership here. I'm only half pregnant, and the novelty is, has worn I, off. Well, I mean, I kind of get what it's all about now. <laughs> like, I understand the gist of it. And I'm excited, you know, to be having a child, but I'm kind of ready for, like, okay, okay so, let's have the child. So having a child. Let's have the child. Birth. This, and this Sydney, topic birth. has been suggested to us by so many people so many times. I didn't list them all. 
Okay. People a are constantly people, suggesting so this. A lot of people. Yes. Thank you, all of you who wanted us to talk about birth. And so take that, everybody who doesn't. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, initially, our ancient ancestors, going way back, mm-hmm. before the Greeks, we're going back before the Romans. Way back. Way back. Homo, homo erectus. You, you know, women gave birth the way that most... Um, mammals give birth Mm -hmm. which is just like they you know find a safe comfortable spot out under a tree somewhere and just give birth just do it alone just do it and come back carrying their baby in their mouth or whatever this baby i went to the baby tree and i got it um obviously we are not able to do that now which look, which what? seems appealing to me in some ways. I like the idea of having complete control over all of the process. Right. It's a little unnerving, but I see where you're getting at. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that it's safe or a good idea. I'm not in any way endorsing it. And actually, what I'm about to say is, is the reason. This is why I am not endorsing it. Um, we don't do this anymore for a lot of reasons. Right. Uh, safety being number one, but also because of the shape of our pelvises. Oh, really? How, how so? Well, the shape of the female pelvis evolved over time so that the baby usually, now not all the time, but for the most part, is supposed to come out facing down. Mm-hmm. And because of the, the position of the neck and the way the shoulders have to be, you know, have to come out, it's, it's a very difficult uh, delivery for a woman to do on her own. It's not impossible, and I'm not saying that every baby comes out the way you plan, but it would be very difficult to unaided deliver your baby. Just because of the... The, the positioning and the, the, the way you'd have to bend, and, you know, I kind of have this big belly in my way right now. And, and not all mammals have this issue, right? No. No, and our, and our ancestors didn't. The pelvis initially was wide enough that the baby could come out facing up, could come out facing sideways, could come out in a lot of different directions that would be easier for you to deliver your own baby. But homo sapien pelvis is not like that. Do you think it's a, a societal evolution, like forcing us to, to live in, in societies? Well, I thought about that. I also thought maybe the evolutionary pressure was actually exerted in the direction of partner birth, of having a partner for the birthing process. Because if you think about it, it was probably always safer to have somebody around to help to help out if there was a crisis, you right. know? just because it's easier if you have an extra pair of hands. So maybe the pressure was women who had a partner to help them give birth, maybe because they were having difficulty, were more likely to survive and their offspring were more likely to survive. So their pelvis shape was more likely to so how, prosper. So what's our next step after evolution said we couldn't do that anymore because it's a spoil sport? Right. So at that point, I mean, basically, the rest of the history of birth is trying to figure out who should be there and where we should do it. (laughs) (laughs) Which tree? Huh? Which tree is the nicest? Which tree is the nicest? And like, you know, do do we want to try a delivery in our hut or maybe in the big health hut? The health. The the, the (laughs) health. Do we want to give birth in the primordial ooze, or do we want to give birth on land? Um, I vote for the health hut that we just invented. <laughs> oh, I, I'm assuming we villages big, We hut. have a large and occupied hut. We can either use it for health or pizza. <laughs> Let's take a village vote. I'm at the point I'm where I vote a, pizza. Yeah. 
Is it thin crust? Yeah. Um, initially, birth was very much the domain of women. Uh, midwives usually aided in deliveries or just, you know, women in your family, mm-hmm. women, family members. I mean, the midwife, and I think I may have mentioned this in a previous episode, I don't know, comes from uh, with women, mid, with, with women. Mm-hmm. So um, it would have been very unseemly initially for a man ever to be involved in the birthing process. Hmm. Just not dignified, like a dude in the ladies' room kind of thing? Well, yeah. I mean, not do you mean on the man on the man's part or on yeah it just be inappropriate yes yeah i mean women were very much clothed in multiple layers of clothing Mm -hmm. and for a man to see her naked would have been you know a big faux pas very stressful very stressful for everyone right everyone would be stressed out and and it was just seen as kind of a thing that women knew about like well we guys don't really know much about that, and it seems pretty icky. We guys know <laughs> way more now. Ooh, we are way smart about it. Oh, yeah, some of them. Some of them are. Um, and not only was this the norm that you would only have women involved, but it was, it was not okay. It wasn't like men had the um, ability, if they wanted to, to say, oh, I do want to be in on a delivery just n- no no they were discouraged i would say very strongly how strongly well in 1522 dr wirt of hamburg germany decided he really wanted to see what this whole birth business was all about um he was a doctor he was it was i mean let's give him the benefit of the doubt purely academic interest yeah, right and so he snuck into a delivery room and listen, I'm going on a limb for you here, Dr. Wirt, so you better not make me a liar. Let's just pretend you were an on-the-level dude just wanting to get some science done. Just wanted to know about, hey, what is this whole birth thing that women do that women watch halfway that we know nothing about? On this thing. Um, but he was caught, and he was burned at the stake. Wow. So it was more than, I would say, just um, taboo. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was like a big... A big issue. Now, was it his? Was it his baby? No, I think he was just All going right. into a. No. Just yeah, couldn't help himself. That was before they invented binoculars, I'm assuming, <laughs> or webcams. Definitely before webcams. I don't actually know what your binoculars were invented, but I feel like we're gonna find out now. Yeah, we'll definitely get some emails about that. <laughs> so I hope there weren't windows open that you could look through with binoculars. They didn't even have window technology. Now that that I think is debatable, but okay. um, it goes without saying that childbirth was not a safe practice throughout. Well, it's not a hundred percent safe ever. No, what is? But um, for in this period of time, we're kind of in the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Oh God, here we go again, <laughs> Middle Ages. Uh, women. It's probably the unsafest, like worst thing, worst time ever, because the Middle Ages were the absolute pits for everybody. Well, it was just accepted at the time that some women would not be able to go through with childbirth, um, that they, you know, if their pelvis could not accommodate the baby, that maybe they would die in the process um, because C-sections were not, you know, we've talked about this in the past, C-sections were not readily available, um, that some women would get infections and there weren't antibiotics and we didn't know what infections were because we didn't know what bacteria was. So those women Everybody would was an idiot in the Middle Ages. Uh, some women would um, postpartum hemorrhage or bleeding after birth was a big deal. So there were lots of reasons why birth was 
you know, and of course women were excited to have children, but at the same time, it was common practice that when you found out you were pregnant, you would make out your will. This is why the Middle Ages were the worst. <laughs> hey, um, I'm going to go spend the whole year trying to figure out how to turn lead into gold with alchemy. Also, ladies, if you could just sign this will that I fashioned, because I can't do anything for you. Oh, is it your first? Congratulations. Now, have you thought about who's going to get like your bed and your kitchen table. Uh, Darla, ask her about the lead too, because I'm going to figure out how to turn it all into gold. <laughs> so I definitely want to have a lockdown on that. I want all their lead. Now you've got three goats, right? Three? Right. Okay. Aren't we cousins? Distant? Distant cousins? Um. Are those goat <laughs> shoes made of lead? Are those lead goat shoes? Because if so, I'm going to need those too. What is it with lead? Because I'm working on a... Because you're trying to turn it into gold. Turn it into gold, Okay, yeah. all right. I need it for either experimentation or riches, depending on how <laughs> fast things go. <laughs> I, I, I imagine a law of lead will be destroyed in the process of this discovery. It's interesting because you, you would think that in... Um, <laughs> in throughout history that royalty would have it easier in a lot of these kinds of situations that they had money and power and prestige so they would have access to whatever the best thing of the day or have the best odds right. of surviving anything um in the case of childbearing so obviously they didn't have birth control right so women just got pregnant when they got pregnant mm -hmm. uh breastfeeding was a form of, of natural birth control. And we've talked about this before, that breastfeeding does not 100% prevent pregnancy. It is still possible. Right. But it makes it much less likely that you'll become pregnant. So it naturally spaces birth. If you breastfeed your child for a year, it is unlikely you'll get pregnant for that year. And it's safer for mom to space out her children. Um, it's just safer for her body and for the recovery of her, of her uterine muscle and all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, Royalty often, um, you know, handed their children over to wet nurses for breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. As a result, they got pregnant a lot faster, hmm. which was a lot more dangerous for them. Right. Um, so this was a this was a place where their money and their power kind of worked against them. Because they were had were tasked with churning out babies so quickly. Exactly, and that and that was and it was in part um, intentional because you know Trying for, to build a regime for one and, exactly yeah. you wanted a lot of children in your line. Of course, you wanted to make sure you produced male children, um, but but also because it was undignified to breastfeed your own children hmm. at this period of time. But that's another show. Um, men eventually got sick of being excluded from the birthing process. We hate that. Yeah. We like to have our fingers in everything. <laughs> was that a... Was that no, a, it wasn't. Get your head out of the gutter. So male physicians really, you know, they wanted to understand the birthing process better. They wanted to have more involvement in it. And as science was trying to take over everything, they thought, well... We, should, know, we should have a slice of this, too. We should have a slice of this whole birth thing. Um, and they started trying to encourage women to have their babies in hospitals. Now, at this point in time, this idea does not take hold. For the most part, if a doctor is involved in your delivery, they're probably involved at your house. Um, mm -hmm. That's where you're having your kid. Um, if women were deciding to go to hospitals, very few were. And that trend ended pretty quickly because of what was called either childbed or purple fever. I've never heard of it. So this was basically... 
Uh, so it was women would get really sick after delivery, get horrible fevers, mm-hmm. get incredibly sick, and then die after delivery. And this happened a lot in hospitals. Less likely to happen outside of hospitals. Why was that? Well, the reason is that doctors who were delivering babies in hospitals, because if we're in a hospital, we're talking about a doctor at this point. Midwives were not welcome there. Doctors. It wasn't like the health hut days. No, not like the health hut (laughs) where you head on down to the health hut with your midwife. Right. No, uh, in, in the hospital, a doctor was obviously performing all kinds of services, not just delivering babies. So let's say, you know, I'm a doctor and I'm doing some of my doctorly duties. Maybe I'm, you know, taking care of patients, you know, doing procedures on them or listening to their hearts and lungs. And then, hey, probably doing an autopsy because that was well within the realm of all doctors did that. Sure. And then I get called to a delivery. So I go rushing over to labor and delivery and get in there and do that delivery. At no point in time did I ever wash my hands. Because you didn't know it. You didn't know anything about that. I didn't know I was supposed to. And at the time... Wouldn't you just want to? This is where I... Think. This breaks down for me. Like, wouldn't you just like... Doesn't it feel icky? Or is that just like in us now? Like, do we just like have that in our imprinting or something? Well, it's, I mean, we talked about this before, though. There was a time period where you would drink blood from another person in pursuit of health yeah well yeah so our idea that blood is something to that you don't want someone else's blood on you is kind of a i don't want to say a new idea but is a more modern concept and it is probably because of our understanding that diseases can be in blood uh but it was also i don't i don't agree you don't think so no i don't agree with your reasoning why i I never read it in a book that it's bad if someone pees, pee-pees on me. But if someone started pee-peeing on me, I'm like, oh, get away. Stop it. Like, you don't need a book to tell you, like, oh, you're bleeding. That's gross. Stop it. You, no one's going to be like, mm, blood, gimme, gimme. But people used to drink it. Okay, like, that's different. If there's, like, dudes in robes and they're, like, handing you a goblet, that's one thing. But no. nobody's like, mm, finger looking good, dead person, blood all over my hands. I don't love it. Don't you remember the, the people standing at the, at, at the hangman's? noose and that was like that was like people collecting it to sell it in pre-packaged bottles with labels they would catch it in cups or they would stand there with their mouths open and those are weird beards not physicians they're sickos (laughs) they're broken people deep down inside i refuse to believe it i'm sorry old scientists i'm calling you out i don't believe it and you know what supports this is that at this time period part of the problem is that doctors were seen as more... uh, Vampires. No, as more heroic or better at their job, the dirtier their lab coats were. So they would walk around hospitals caked in blood as a marker of their, you know, it was like a badge of honor. Like, look at how many patients I've been inside today. Ugh, it's gross. So anyway, they weren't washing their hands and they were performing deliveries. And so they were delivering all kinds of nasty little microbes into the woman's uterus, which resulted in infection, which resulted in in women, unfortunately, dying after childbirth. So hospitals were not places you wanted to go if you were pregnant. Mm -hmm. It was scary. Until... Uh, first of all, we learned about the germ theory of disease. We've talked about this before with Pasteur. We've talked about the idea of, you know, germs cause disease. And then in 1840, there was a guy, Dr. Ignaz Semmelweis. 
who invented Hero. who invented hand washing. <laughs> hand washing and basically saved millions and millions and billions of people. He was the first guy to say, "Hey, I think if we wash our hands in between, I think we'll probably stop passing whatever these new these brand new bugs that we just learned about are onto other people." And everybody was excited about it. No, everybody was furious. Excellent job, medical community. Yeah. I'm proud of you. No, they were they thought it was insulting to doctors cuz it put the blame on doctors. Sure. And that wasn't right. And they thought it was stupid. But he started doing it in his own obstetrical wards. Um, the mortality rate dropped dramatically. There you go. So it caught on. Similarwise, hero. washing uh, hero. So at this point, we're moving more and more towards doctors are getting involved in delivery. Uh, midwives are still doing the majority of deliveries, I should note. And there are still, most women are still delivering at home at this point. But we're starting to see some you know, scientific meddling in the process. <laughs> That's exactly, that is exactly the right word for it, too. Uh, in the 1850s, another big step forward was when Queen Victoria, having her eighth child, asked the doctor, could I have some chloroform? This, Perhaps. The novelty has worn <laughs> off. <laughs> could I have just a little bit of chloroform and see what happens? And since she was a queen, they gave it to her. What else? They have no other choice. <laughs> and... Uh, it went swimmingly because she felt great afterwards. Awesome. Awesome, and baby. My best baby ever. Totally rad. Thank you. And she told everybody, hey, that was great. You know, ladies, you should start asking your doctors for chloroform. I've just had the most delightful birthing experience. Highly recommend. <laughs> and this started the trend of of women starting to seek some sort of pain relief and labor. Up until then... This was not done at all. Um, there were a lot of reasons for this. Uh, using any uh, any kind of substances like this was seen as immoral, even if it was for pain relief. So you certainly wouldn't want to give it to a woman in labor. Um, and there was also fear of the effects on the baby. What would happen? You know, some some of them real. Would you overdose the baby? And some of them imagined, would the baby be, I don't know, angry a lot when it was older? Write a lot of like bad that. poetry. <laughs> Um, there was also, I think the worst reason, I would say, is there was a lot of religious objection over giving women pain medication during delivery because it's God's punishment to us for Eve and the whole apple and all that. Cool job, religion. <laughs> you guys done did it again. Just when I think you are out of tricks, you come back around again. Good job, religion. So proud. So obviously, did it again. we can't save women from all that pain because they're still paying for, you know. I do want to mention Eve though, eating the, a piece of fruit. Uh, on the subject of religion, uh, I, no, well, no, um, I wanted to issue a correction. Oh from, yeah, remember because it just reminded me of it from uh, our C-section. Episode. From our C-section episode, we what was it specifically? You'll, you'll remember uh, the, the... Specifically, I had found referenced that in... Um, I was talking about different religious attitudes towards C-sections mm -hmm. and that in Islam, uh, it was thought previously, not currently, that a child born of C-section was evil. Mm -hmm. Was evil. That is actually uh, apocryphal, we discovered with the help yes. of, a, of a delightful listener. And actually, uh, some of the first people to uh, successfully perform C-sections were, in fact, Muslim. So there you go. So history thank you for history that got that one wrong, and by extension, so did we. So there you go. Muslims, they love C-sections. I don't know if they love C-sections or not, but they certainly don't <laughs> think they're I wouldn't make the statements like that. There you go. <laughs> um, 
So anyway, women won out over, you know, doctors' reluctance to give them pain medication and over the church's reluctance to allow women to not be in pain. Yeah. And doctors started trying all kinds of things. Um, gas was tried, like uh, ether and and or ether and gas was tried, and then there was chloroform, of course, and then there were different, like, opiates, you know, mm-hmm. were starting to be used, just pain relief, and all kinds of different things started to enter the labor and delivery realm. Okay, so we got to be about to the 1900s now. What uh, what happened next? Uh, well, I'm going to have to stop you there, Justin. Oh, no. Yeah, it's that, it's that time of the month again. Not that time of the month, but the time of the month where you go visit the billing department. Let's go. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, And the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McQuarrie fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McElroy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. 
1900, Sydney. Take me there. So, as I mentioned, we're more and more labor and delivery is becoming the realm of, of doctors. So they're coming up with all new kinds of rules. You know, women have been doing this for years. I bet men could do it better. <laughs> mm, <laughs> right? Sorry. I'm sorry. It wasn't me. Well, let's get in on it. It wasn't me. Um, and I should be, let me, let me just preface with this. Some of these ideas are good and necessary. Not any of the ones I'm going to talk about because they're not funny. But there were definitely good and necessary ideas that came out of this time period. You're welcome, ladies. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's safer to give birth now than it was 100 years ago. I don't think there's any argument about that. You're all very welcome. No, but it wasn't because of men. That and the United States transportation system, ladies. Enjoy. And also NASA for a long time. You're welcome, ladies. I know we've been getting a lot of guff lately us fellas but we did some things okay that's great for you can i have my birth control back now or no 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 i don't know those guys but i know other guys i can talk to about it but okay thanks um so uh more and more women are are listening to doctors they're starting to think about having their babies in hospitals and you see this trend all through the 1900s it goes from in the early 1900s, it's like 5% of births are taking place in hospitals to by the 1950s, we're in like the 70, 80% range. I now, mean, to crazy. be clear, we are talking about the US, right? Because this yes. is one of those areas where we're on a very different trajectory, right? That's true, Justin. Um, while in the US, we just steadily moved more and more towards hospital birth. And that has been a, a trend that has stayed constant. Other countries were not necessarily on the same trajectory. In Holland, for instance, um, they have, I think still, as far as I know, the highest home birth rate in the Western world, hmm. uh, like 30% of births are at home. Wow. Um, and in the UK, while still most births take care, take place in the hospital, there are certainly a lot more midwife deliveries than we have here. Hmm. So I'm talking mainly about the U S at this point. Uh, as I said, doctors had advice on everything and rules for everything. So I'm going to reference a little bit as we're moving into the 1900s from a book that I have that was written in 1915 that is a real gem if you're pregnant. What? Forget what to expect when you're expecting. No, no, no. This is the, this is the real stuff. <laughs> no, go out and purchase E.B. Lowry's Your Baby. It's aged like a fine wine. Uh, so here's some things you might want to keep in mind. Before you deliver... Um, you want to make sure and stay away from anything that is scary or upsetting. A book, uh, a movie, I guess. He didn't say a movie because they didn't exist like yet. But movies, TV shows, you know, don't don't go watching True Blood with all those scary vampires. Listen, if you can figure out a way to watch True Blood in 1915, hats off to you. <laughs> but your baby might have a, a, a bad countenance if you do. Watch scary stuff. Yeah. Uh, it also advises some some good stuff, plenty of sunlight and drink your milk and eat your vegetables. You should also exercise regularly when you're pregnant. Okay. Um, but there's only certain exercises that are safe because you don't want to be sedentary, but you also don't want too strenuous stuff. Right. So the ideal balance is obviously housework. <laughs> So, oh man! Yes, awesome. Sweeping the floors, dusting, cooking, washing the dishes—it's just the right balance. It and it just—I mean, isn't it weird that it works out that way? Mm -hmm. It's like nature intended. Just like nature intended. 
Now, as for the delivery itself in the 1900s. If you guys hadn't eaten that apple, that's, all, that's, that's the only thing. We wouldn't have to cook and clean while we're pregnant and then go through all the pain of delivery. Listen, I don't make the mm-hmm. rules. It's in a little book I like to call the Bible. Thank you, men, for giving us all these rules to make it easier. So how about some advice for the delivery from Dr. Lowry? I'm ready. Uh, okay. So when you notice labor, when you first think you may be in labor, what is the first thing you do? Call the doctor. That's right. Why do you call the doctor? I actually don't know what the next step is. I assume he'll tell me to come to the hospital. Well, but the, but the reason you really want to call the doctor is because he's really busy. And he's going to have to arrange his schedule around you now. So try to be considerate. Okay, will do. So stop what you're doing, call your doctor, and let him know so he can figure out when it's going to be most convenient for him. Got okay. it. I'm only using male pronouns because we're in the early 1900s. Got it. Uh, Now, second step, now that you are in labor, go put on a nightgown Mm -hmm. and a kimono and some stockings. Okay. And then part your hair down the center and put it in two braids. Perfect. Am I in labor still? (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're in labor. Okay, great. This is your labor outfit. Got it. It also makes my labor do. This is your labor do. It makes it easier because you're going to be in bed for quite a while, and you want to make sure that your hair is easy to take care of from you know by your assistants, who are going to brush it for you and rebraid it periodically. Perfect. Okay, I got my hair braided. Okay, so now you're going to go to a hospital because that's what a doctor would have been urging you to do. Come on, we're safe. We wash our hands now. Please come to the hospital. Got it. I'm going to the hospital. What hospital will I go to? Well, the best advice is to uh, pick a hospital that's close to where your doctor lives because it's convenient for him. This book was written by a doctor, I feel like. Yes. <laughs> that's I'm the most give them important thing. Far. I'm tired of getting in my buggy <laughs> driving down to St. Parsonals. If you're driving past two hospitals, that's okay as long as you're getting to the one that's closest to your doctor. Which also makes sure make sure you know your doctor's address, I guess. <laughs> Not something I typically give out. It's a little personal, I think. Uh, now, make sure that you're bringing everything you might need. Okay. And that's a lot of stuff. In addition to what you may expect, you know, like some clothes for you and some clothes for the baby. Um, and not a car seat because, you know, this is 1915. Uh, bring your own bed linens. Bring okay. some blankets. Check. Towels. Got it. Washcloths. Dig. Maybe some bandages. Perfect. Uh, and you can do that just by tearing strips of flannel. Bring lots of torn strips of flannel. Okay. Got do it. not hem them. Got it. I, I, maybe they'll have that in the gift shop. Uh, abdominal binders. Mm-hmm. Breast binders. <laughs> what? Breast binders. Why? Yeah, just some like strips of, again, f- I think flannel is recommended. Lots of strips of flannel. Just to tie around your boobs because they're going to be engorged and sore. And so just, okay, you know. But they do have ways of tying them around you so that your nipples are still exposed. Perfect. I love that. Uh, boric acid crystals. Sounds like my regular Saturday night ensemble, basically. <laughs> so I, I can just bring my own. Do you have your own boric acid crystals as no, well? No, those I do not have. That You're, I cannot help with. See, we're going to need those. For what? The baby's mouth and eyes. Ah, welcome to the world, baby. Here's some boric acid in your eyes. You made you just made the biggest mistake of your life, dummy. You should have stayed in there forever. Boric acid. <laughs> ah, why? Also, uh, for your also for your nipples, mom. Hey, moms. Sorry, moms. Get some boric acid on there. Put, rub some boric acid on your nipples, 
And anything else you can think of, that'd you probably a, should nice just surprise. bring. That'd be a fun surprise for the kid, huh? Hey, come come enjoy my my perfect life giving nipples. I taste like boric acid. How are you liking life so far, baby? Because it might <laughs> seem kind of the, bad. The baby's mouth already tastes like boric acid because you put some crystals in there. All I know is boric acid. <laughs> I'm thirty five years old. The only taste that makes me feel comfortable is boric acid. That's how you encourage breastfeeding. Because after that, you will definitely like breast milk. But Freud read about that, and he's like, sweet, I'm set for life. <laughs> Nobody's going to recover from this. <laughs> Perfect. Um, also, you need to make sure that you um, bring your own Lysol mm-hmm. so that you can be scrubbed down like all of your, you know, your lady parts, inside mm-hmm. and out, mm-hmm, 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 can mm-hmm. be completely scrubbed down with Lysol, uh, and then everything is going to be shaved. Wow. For dudes that, like, didn't believe in germs a little bit ago, you guys are getting super protective about it, huh? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you guys are way into not having germs around yep now you're getting a lysol douche yeah <laughs> how's that going oh and an enema oh man and then they're gonna rub everything down with lard for what are they gonna fry me no grease the way it's like a <laughs> slip and slide it sounds like some sort of bizarre like adult double dare <laughs> one last physical challenge. one last fun activity for the baby before it we dip it in boric acid now, after delivery, I mentioned you're going to be in bed for a while. Mm-hmm. Don't move. Don't talk for the first few days. What? Women were instructed not to talk. You need to let yourself recover. This has been very hard on you, and you're very <laughs> delicate. So just lay there, please. How long? About six weeks total. Oh, okay. Um, right. Now, I should mention that by week three or four, you're allowed to get up out of bed some. Okay. But for about six weeks, you should just lay around. Tell me we got better than this, Sydney. Um, so before we actually got better at this, there's there was one more detour. And that oh. was called twilight sleep. Hit me. So twilight sleep was a method of pain control developed in Germany in about like 1914. Um, the whole the idea was that we're doing OK with some of these medications we're giving women, mm-hmm. but we could we could do better. Women are just too delicate to go through this process. So pain control was start, started to become not only like an option, but like maybe it's necessary because these poor little ladies just can't go through this. Okay, so what did we do? What was the, what was the plan? So we gave them a mixture of scopolamine and morphine. Now, you know what morphine is. It's a pain medicine. Right, it's an opiate. Right. Scopolamine is what we call an amnestic. So you'll forget things is that that uh thing we watched that vice documentary about it is the world's most dangerous drug where they can just like it was like brainwash you with a, with a sort of yeah if so if you give somebody too much scopolamine they'll die okay. but if you give them a little bit of scopolamine they're still awake it's not like knocking them out but they won't remember anything that happens um as a result between that and the morphine and then the pain that they were still experiencing women became pretty wild during twilight sleep so they would become combative they would hallucinate they might yell or flail or kick or punch so it became necessary to blindfold them uh tie their arms down tie their legs down there's some really disturbing pictures of women in twilight sleep online if you're ever interested thanks um so you would basically fall asleep when you first went into labor and wake up with a baby in your arms and have no memory of this horrible ordeal you've been through. Uh, this is sort of like the furthest we go for 
uh, treating this as a disease, right? For treating pregnancy as a disease. Like, this is our apex of, like, there, we fixed it. There you now go. Now you never have to think about it again. We I, saw, we cured pregnancy. I think this really was when we, we really saw pregnancy as a pathologic state. Um, this kind of peaked late, actually, 1950s. Wow. Because if you if you remember, Justin, the, the um, episode of Mad Men, Betty Draper has a baby right, right, right. using Twilight Sleep. And that if you ever want a great example of what it is, I think they depict it really well. Um, obviously, we moved away from that because it's bad for a number of reasons. It's probably pretty psychologically damaging for women, I would say. Mm-hmm. And it was dangerous for babies. Um, now, we do use pain control, but it's mainly epidurals, if you so choose. Obviously, doctors wash their hands. Birth in the U.S. is largely in hospitals and mainly done by physicians, um, although uh, midwifery is, is on the rise. There are more and more women opting for midwife deliveries, which is, as you mentioned, way more common in the U.K., and their outcomes are just as good. So don't let anybody tell you differently. You know, It's all up to what you prefer and what you're comfortable with, but, uh, but midwife delivery is a totally viable option. Um, If you have some in your area, you should talk to them. We did. Mm -hmm. Um, Home births are becoming more popular, but still a very small minority in the U.S., as I mentioned, more common other places, and becoming safer as they become more popular. Um, And then, clearly, we try to stay away from boric acid and Lysol. We got that, at least. Yeah. And unfortunately, now they allow us to work full-time right up until we deliver. Yay, Yay. women's rights. Oh, no. (laughs) Can I lay in bed for six weeks now? Please. Please. I'm sorry, but I don't want to cook or clean either. No. I don't want to do any of it. Can I just lay down? Um, I, I, uh, again, as I have said many times before on behalf of dudes, um, I'm sorry. I'm real sorry. There's a lot more if you're ever interested to this topic that you can, I mean, that you can discover. Birth is wide ranging and something that happens and is a physiologic normal state that is totally natural. Obviously, as humans, we have to mess with as much as humanly possible mm-hmm. throughout history. So, but I think these are the highlights. Well, uh, thank you so much, Sydney, for educating me about this. Um, we uh, we certainly appreciate all of you uh, listening to the program. It it, it means the world to us. Um, we uh, are here every Tuesday. That's the that's the plan at least. Uh, when our baby gets here, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we definitely have one live show in the canon, and uh, uh, so we'll be able to deploy that. And hopefully, we'll uh, we won't have to take too many weeks off after we'll, that. We'll do our best, but uh, um, Archie, I guess, is going to die this week, so I may have to take a grieving hiatus first. That makes sense. Uh, thank you to people tweeting about the show with the at Sawbones uh, handle, Eric Teichman, uh, Dylan Wadelick, uh, uh Melissa Danielson, Jer P, Adam D, Bethany Dybass, uh, Cato Ketonian, uh, Venetia, Sabrina, uh, Daniel, Marov, Marine. Kevin, so many others. You're all very kind. Thank you for uh, uh, helping us to spread the word uh, about our program. It, it really helps us out. And spread the word about vaccines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of you were, were sharing our vaccine episode and, and helping to spread the word there. So that's awesome, too. I hope, hope we uh, 
helped you change a mind or at least reinforce your own uh, absolutely well-founded beliefs. Uh, facts. Facts. It's science. They're facts. It's They're science. science. Um, thank you to the taxpayers for letting us use their uh, song Medicines for our intro and outro. And thank you to the Maximum Fun Network for having us as a part of uh, their, well, network. Uh, there's a lot of other great programs we listen to there at MaximumFun.org, including Jordan, Jesse, Go, Judge John Hodgman, The Goose Down Lady, and the Lady Ono, Ross, and Carrie. Uh, stop podcasting yourself. Um, my brother, my brother, and thank me. Thank you, dear. I do appreciate that bullseye. So many others. Uh, go to MaximumFun.org and check them all out. And uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you again. A million thank yous. Uh, make sure to share the show. You can just... Give people sawboneshow.com. It's a link to our website. And uh, that is it for us. Sydney, thank you so much for joining me here today. No problem, J-Man. <laughs> Until next Tuesday, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.